Let's start with Isaiah 53 and verse 12. Isaiah 53. I want you to consider with me for a few minutes before the Lord's Supper the value of this memorial feast of our Lord's death from this vantage point today. That it was his death that purchased for us the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We come to the Lord's table to remember his death till he comes for us. We come to remember his broken body and his shed blood. I want you today to look at the accomplishment of that broken body and shed blood as resulting in the personal presence of Jesus, of, of the Spirit of God with us in place of Jesus Christ. This does not take long, but I want to look at a number of verses. Isaiah 53 and verse 12. Jesus dies in Isaiah 53 by way of prophecy. You're all familiar with the passage. Verse 12, Therefore, because he did what he did, will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus died on the cross for us. God, therefore, as a result of that, divided him a portion with the great, gave him great blessings, and he had spoil that he divided with the church. And a great part of that spoil are the gifts of the Holy Ghost, but more important, the Holy Ghost himself as the promised gift of the Father. Look back at Psalm 68 in verse 18. Psalm 68. If we had been able to continue further this morning in John chapter 4, we would have found that Jesus offered the woman of Samaria living water that would be in a man and would spring up in that man even all the way to eternal life. And that is the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of God bears witness in our heart, Romans 5, 5, that God truly loves us. And it's, he's going to lead us and take us all the way to eternal life. The signet of the Lord Jesus Christ on our lives is the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of redemption until eternal life. Psalm 68, verse 18, speaking of Jesus Christ in prophecy, this is quoted in Ephesians 4, we'll be there in a moment, Thou hast ascended on high, that is Jesus Christ. Ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive. He took death captive. He took us out of the palace of Satan. Thou, for thou hast received gifts for men. Notice these words. Thou, Jesus Christ, hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. That's a prophecy of Jesus going back up to heaven, having led captivity captive, meaning death and delivering us from the devil, and he received from God gifts to give to men. Let's go over now to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We have God with us. We have Jesus with us. We have God and Jesus dwelling in us, by the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. 
Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That is, that all nations of the earth will be blessed in the seed of Abraham. Jesus dying for us and justifying Gentiles. However, there's another blessing that results from his death in the second half of verse 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Who promised the Spirit? God did to Jesus and Jesus did to us in John 7, John 14, John 15, John 16. God promised, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit and we would get him upon our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and baptism. Ephesians chapter 4, over a couple of pages, and we'll see Paul quote Psalm 68 and alter it just a little bit for us to appreciate the gift of the Holy Ghost, meaning God giving Christ the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ giving us the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us, purchased at Calvary. Verse 8 of Ephesians 4, Wherefore he saith, Paul, quoting from the Old Testament, Psalm 68, verse 18, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Back there in Psalm 68, 18, it was, He received gifts for men. Because God gave them to Jesus, he divided the spoil with the strong. He participated in the, in the spoils of victory for having died on the cross. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Jesus of Nazareth being given an unlimited portion of the Spirit himself at his baptism is now given the Holy Spirit and he in turn gives it to the church. And we go on and read, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. That's Jesus in his humiliation on earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These were the offices of the New Testament church, and they were given by Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, but God had given them to Jesus Christ as a reward for his finished work to give to his bride, to give to his body, to give to his church. Now John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Oh, Lord, help us to go through these quickly, but to appreciate them and to rejoice in what you have here. What was purchased for us on the cross of Calvary that we have every day of our lives, a springing water in our souls, springing up, a light shedding abroad the love of God in our hearts, a seal upon us, the personal presence of God, empowerment to live victoriously and righteously, empowerment to know things that we otherwise could not, would not know by regeneration, but by additional administrations of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7, let's just read verse 39 this time. But this spake he of the Spirit. Well, since he's referring to this spake he, let's get verse 38. He that believeth on me, Jesus speaking, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, 
which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. This is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus giving the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. There was a course of events that had to take place. Jesus had to die to purchase the presence of God with us. Jesus had to be in the ground three days and three nights. Then he had to show himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days. Then there was one week, one week where the apostles were alone. Three days plus 40 equals 43 plus 7 equals 50. The day of Pentecost means 50. So there was a week where they were alone after they saw Jesus ascend up into the clouds. Jesus wasn't yet glorified. Are you, are you with me? Let's, let me look at verse 39 again. This spake he of the Spirit. Those that believe on Jesus Christ, the Old Testament prophesied that they would have out of their belly a flowing river of living water. The living water that Jesus is going to explain to the woman of Samaria. Verse 39 is in parentheses because it's the Holy Spirit himself giving us additional information. But this spake he, Jesus didn't say the words in verse 39. He said the words in verse 38. But this is the Holy Spirit explaining his words to us. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Every believer in the New Testament gets the Holy Spirit, which is God. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Yet, when we go back in the Bible, we find that Samson once in a while was moved with the Spirit. David once in a while was moved with the Spirit. But they only had him temporarily. They only had him partially. They didn't have the indwelling fullness of the presence of God with us like we do every day of our lives. We either quench him or grieve him. He can do everything we need to do as a child of God, through us, in us. He can teach us things that we otherwise would not know. Okay, do you have that 39th verse down? That the Holy Spirit was not yet given. And he wouldn't be given until Jesus was glorified. That means he would have to ascend into heaven and be promoted and put on his throne. And then the Holy Spirit would be given. And it's a promised giving. So we go to Acts chapter 2. And we see it happen. Acts chapter 2. Peter's preaching away. He's full of the Holy Ghost because he was baptized with the Holy Ghost in the first few verses of this chapter. And he's bringing his sermon to a conclusion. And he says in verse 33, Therefore, let's get verse 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. We apostles and the rest with us, have seen this risen Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he was seen of above 500 brethren at one time. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted. What's another word for exalted? Glorified. From John 7, 39. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Notice God gives the Holy Spirit to Jesus. He, who? Jesus. He's the one exalted at the right hand of God. He hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. There was the visible and the audio dem demonstration that the Spirit of God was upon them because they were preaching in 15 different languages by the power of the Holy Spirit, and these were dumb, ignorant fishermen from Galilee. Look at this verse. 
Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, fulfilling John 7.39, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, Psalm 68, Isaiah 53 and verse 12, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24. That was a thumbnail sketch. Now let me give you a few more verses about it. Luke 24. There's many verses. This is a tremendous thing. Tremendous thing. We, we go back to Genesis chapter 5. We go to Hebrews 11. We read about Enoch walking with God. And we think, oh, if I could just walk with God. You can walk with God like Enoch never walked with God. Enoch never walked with God inside him, permanently, completely. You can. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. God's presence with us. Jesus with us. Luke 24 and verse 49. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. I want you to see all these verses tying together. God promised that he would take up residence on earth in certain men who were the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. God would give the Spirit to Jesus. Jesus would give the Spirit to them. Amen. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. God's gift to us after sending Jesus to die for us of his presence with us. And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. John 14, John 14, I know that some of you love these chapters, John 14, 15, 16, in the final hours of his life before his crucifixion, John 14, 16, I'm going to read two verses, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, who was the first comforter, Jesus Christ, who's the other comforter? the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. You've only had me for three and a half years. You can have the presence of God and me for the rest of your life. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, because he was in the Lord Jesus Christ without measure, and shall be in you. These are wonderful verses. Don't let that food that you ate a few minutes ago dull your senses. Listen to what the Word of God is saying to us. Read what is there. God on earth, not incarnate, indwelling. Look at verse 26 of the same chapter. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. This is all surrounding the Lord Jesus Christ, God sending him to Jesus, Jesus sending him. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Apostolic blessing of inspiration. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's go to chapter 15. We're reading verses about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 of chapter 15. But when the Comforter is come, he hadn't come yet for everyone else. He had certainly come for Jesus, but he hadn't come for them. But when the Comforter is come, 
whom I will send unto you from the Father. Do you see the God the Father to Jesus to the believers? From the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit's ministry is not to testify of himself. These churches that talk about getting the anointing, getting the anointing, and always getting the oinking, and always talking about the Spirit. The Spirit only talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. He testifies of me. He shall testify of me. And ye shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That's important. Jesus had to die, be resurrected, spend 40 days showing himself alive, then ascend up into heaven, get glorified, and then pour out the spoils of his victory. And he's describing it here. It's expedient for you. It's to your advantage that I leave, because I will give the infinite God into each one of you instead of at supper, it being me physically limited and John laying with me and the other 11 not so close, you'll have the fullness of the Godhead in you. Not like the Lord Jesus Christ had it, but we can be filled with all the fullness of God. His presence communicating with us. Look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Lord, Forgive us, Baptists, for not appreciating your Holy Spirit like we should. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them. This is Luke. Remember, we started with Luke 24. Now we're with Luke again, but it's, it's Luke writing Acts. Verse 4 of chapter 1, And being assembled together with them, Jesus, assembled with his apostles, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. When did they hear of him? John 7, John 14, John 15, John 16. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. That is what God would give Jesus, and what Jesus would give the church is the personal presence of the Holy Spirit, which they had not had yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified, because he's still standing on earth on day 43. Since Passover. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God pours out, immerses, submerges, buries us. In the personal presence of himself by the Holy Spirit. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And in Samaria. And in Samaria. And under the uttermost part of the earth. What deacon went down to Samaria and turned that city upside down? Philip in Acts chapter 8. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. This is just a little survey of the blessing of the Holy Spirit. No, let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Forgive me. I read my favorite verse and forgot a couple of others earlier. I read you verse 33. And let's read it again. Therefore, because if you were to finish Acts chapter 1, if you were to finish Acts chapter 1, Jesus levitated, ascended up into heaven. Right. And the disciples had one week 
without Jesus and without the Holy Spirit. One week. And he commanded them, don't you dare leave Jerusalem. I will come back to Jerusalem and give you the Holy Spirit. And then from Jerusalem, you'll go to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth with Holy Spirit power. Acts 2.33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, which is what he did after he ascended up into heaven, and Peter knew it, because we are now at day 50, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, John 7, John 14, 15, 16, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got it. You can have it. Repent and believe. Verse 39, For the promise. What promise? The promise of the presence of God to replace Jesus Christ on earth. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter 5. The gift of the Holy Ghost is God giving according to his promise the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ as the spoils of his death on the cross. Jesus Christ then in turn giving the presence of the Holy Spirit to all of us who believe on him and are baptized. Acts 5.32 puts it this way. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When you believe the gospel and are baptized, God gives you the person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. He gives you his spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness inside by the inspiration of Scripture through the blessing on preaching that Jesus is Christ and Lord. Look at Acts chapter 8. And let's find Philip down there in Samaria. There was great joy in that city, according to verse 8. It's the oil of gladness. Are you joyful with me right now? I know I'm intense because I'm under the burden of a spinning thing back there on that wall. And I have a lot I'd like to say, but I hope that you're thankful. God is on earth. God is in this building. God is in us. Jesus is in us. He's... The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8 and Galatians chapter 4. Jesus had to leave this world, and he said, It's expedient for you that I go away. I'm limited to one place, but I will send the Comforter. We can have him here, and every church of true saints has him elsewhere. Every believer has him, in or out of a church. The presence of of God with them. Acts chapter 8. I want to read the whole thing, but I can't. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Philip baptizes much of the city. They believe, verse 12, they believe Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. But they didn't get the Holy Spirit. They did not get the promise of Acts 2.38 and 2.39. Why? Because Philip was a deacon, not an apostle. And God in the beginning had to take special measures to make sure that the apostles had an illustrious office of their own. They had gifts that the others didn't have. Apostles had gifts that prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers, and especially deacons, did not have. And so it tells us, verse 14, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, that means there were believers there that were baptized, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. 
that same promised gift from both Testaments, from God to Jesus, to believers, that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They hadn't got the gift yet. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Acts 9, 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. That's interesting, isn't it? Are those the three places we read about last night and today geographically? Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. What did Jesus promise? I will send you another comforter, comforted, the comfort of the Holy Ghost inside, confessing and professing and declaring to us that God loves us causing us and moving us to cry, Abba, Father. It's the personal relationship with God, whole by the Holy Spirit, purchased at the, on the cross of Calvary by our Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 10, Peter with Cornelius. The Lord has to put things out of order this time. Didn't it say in Acts 2.38 that when you're baptized, you'll get the gift of the Holy Ghost? But it didn't happen in chapter 8 because it wasn't an apostle involved. And in chapter 10, the gift of the Holy Ghost came first because God had to give Peter a nudge to baptize those Gentiles. Peter wouldn't have baptized them unless they got the Holy Spirit first. Are, you all know this, don't you? Right. We're, just we're just reviewing it. It's precious. Amen. Acts 10.43 And he commanded us. Peter is preaching and he's speaking about Jesus Christ. And he commanded us to preach unto the people. Acts 10.42 is where I'm at. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. They got the gift of the promise of the Holy Ghost. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Wow! This is what happened because of the cross. Because of the cross. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. When he ascended up on high, he received gifts, he gave gifts. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, he hath received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, and he shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Chapter 11, Peter had to explain what he did in chapter 10. Acts chapter 11, verse 15, he's in the middle of his explanation. It's a detail. You just read this in the last couple of days. You all know it. You can teach me. Acts eleven fifteen. And as I began to speak, we just read it. He's explaining it in Jerusalem. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. 
For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the personal presence of God with believers, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Peter had to explain it again at the Council of Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 at verse 7. And when Acts 15, verse 7, a huge church council at Jerusalem, apostles and elders all came together. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. You believe, and you get baptized, you get the Holy Ghost. In this particular case, you believe, you get the Holy Ghost, so that I'll have the courage to baptize you. And Peter's explaining that for the second time in Acts 15. Let's go to Acts 19. Acts 19. Here's an odd group. Do you know why our ancestors were called Anabaptists? Anabaptism. Anabaptists. What does it mean? Rebaptizers. They hated the name. That's a slur name. Baptists don't rebaptize. Because sprinkling and pouring isn't a baptism to begin with. Amen. Side, I'm sorry. This is the only rebaptism in the New Testament, right here. Here we go. Verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through... Remember I told you about Corinth. Let's back up. It's too good. A husband and a wife sat Apollos down, explained to him the way of God more perfectly, and then let go. Here's what happened. It's in the last verse of chapter 18. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Amen. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost, since ye believed? And they said unto him, This is pitiful. We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? Because belief... Baptism results in the Holy Spirit unless your baptism is invalid. Can I chase a little rabbit right here? Presbyterians have come to me over time. And if you're, if you're a Presbyterian today, I'll explain this in more detail with you in private if you need it. Presbyterians have come to me over time and said, I just don't know that I have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'll say, well, there's good cause. You've never been baptized. It's not how you win friends and influence people, but it's how you can share the truth. It is, Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost? We've never even heard of such a thing. Then what was, your, what was, your, what was the problem with your baptism? The problem is going to be a problem with the authority of their baptism. It, wasn't after, it was a baptism unto John's baptism after the day of Pentecost when it should have been in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to tell you that. Presbyterians, little babies, getting a little sprinkling on them, that's not a baptism. Right. 
you say, but I know Presbyterians that are children of God. What do you have to say about, of course. And do they have some of the Holy Spirit? Yes. But there are different levels of the Holy Spirit all the way up. There are many levels of the Holy Spirit that, are, that come way after being baptized and getting baptized with the Holy Spirit and that personal presence in you. There are levels of his administration and gifts and services and helps and comfort and teaching that he gives men. It just keeps going up. Verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. There's the gift of the Holy Ghost again. Now let's come over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and see a few of the blessings and benefits. Do you all know from Romans 5, 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us? What does that mean? The Holy Spirit inside of us tells us, convinces us, an internal witness that God loves us. You say, well, I've never heard that, felt that, or known that for sure. That's because you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. It's very simple. That's why. But he does that. Romans 5, 5 teaches it. He causes us to cry, Abba, Father. Romans 14, 17. He's able to fill us with all joy and peace and abounding hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And there is no law against those nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Tremendous blessings. I'm out of time. So I'm going to one more point. But it's a big point, so it's got six minor points. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny one bit. I, I hate time. And it's all about run out of my little life. Ephesians 1.13. I want to show you the book of Ephesians. I've done this to you before. I did this in preaching to you higher ground a year ago. But I, and I hope that some of you remember it. I want to show you in the epistle to the Ephesians the progressive benefits of the Holy Spirit in a person's life by prayer, by being filled, obedience, and not grieving or quenching. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Those two verses tell us that when we believed, just like every other verse has said, when you believe, God gives you his personal presence and it is the earnest of our inheritance in heaven until we're there. Until we're there in God's presence in heaven, we have God in us. It's the earnest, it's the down payment on what it's going to be like. The earnest of our inheritance. What is our inheritance? It's heaven. It's spiritual things above. It's the presence of God. Until he purchased, he's already purchased our bodies and he's going to deliver them into heaven. But we have an earnest, a performance bond given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's called in other places the seal. You're sealed under the day of redemption. Bam! A seal by Jesus Christ. This one is mine and I'm giving him the Holy Spirit to prove it. 
That's Ephesians 1. Do you know what we do with the book of Ephesians? We go to the first half of chapter 1, and we preach election and predestination. Then we go to the first half of chapter 2, and we preach regeneration of those that are dead in trespasses and sins. But there's a whole lot more to the book of Ephesians than just that. Right. I've just taken you to the first half, and after election and predestination, it shows that it results in believing and getting the presence of the Holy Spirit as the earnest of our eternal inheritance. But notice, in chapter 1, before I can get out of the first chapter, Paul starts praying for this great church that he founded and spent over two years there and was elect and predestinated and born again. Look what he says in verse 17. He's praying. Verse 16 tells us that he's making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the, may give unto you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, wait a minute, Paul. You just said they had the Spirit in verse 13 and 14. What are you talking about now? Another level of his administration, another level of his influence in your life so that you can have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I thought you would have to be enlightened to believe the gospel, to be baptized, to get the Spirit of verses 13 and 14. You would, but it's an elementary level of the Holy Spirit. There is an advanced level of the Holy Spirit that Paul was praying for the Ephesians in verses 17 and 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened in verse 18, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that he would convince you of what's coming in heaven so that it would dull everything down here. Chapter 1. We go to chapter 2. And we stop many times at verse 10 because we have dealt with regeneration in the first 10 verses. But we come over to verse 18. For through him, we both, that's Jews and Gentiles, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. That's another aspect of the Holy Spirit inhabiting local churches. Verse 18 was Jews and Gentiles having access to God by the Holy Spirit because he prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and prays for us according to the will of God. Chapter 3, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What was revealing the fact that God was now dealing with Gentiles like he had dealt with Jews for 1,500 years? The ministry of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 3, 5. But we come down to verse 14, and Paul begins a prayer where he bows his knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family of God. Most are in heaven, some are still on earth. And he prays for this. Verse 16 that they would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man for the purpose of knowing the dimensions of Jesus Christ's love better than they ever had before until they were filled with all the fullness of God. If we stop at Ephesians 1, the first half, we're, 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 we're not true Christians. If we stop with the first half of chapter 2, we have distorted ourselves. There is too much emphasis on the personal presence of God with us revealing more and more, way beyond what's necessary for baptism. Do you know what's necessary for baptism? It's so small what is necessary for baptism. But Paul wanted those Ephesian saints to know a whole lot more, even though he had been their pastor for over two years. Chapter 4. 
Chapter 4, verse 3, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Chapter 4, verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Well, if I'm sealed, what difference does it make? If I'm sealed unto the day of until the final phase of salvation, what difference does it make? It makes a big difference. You lose all this revelation. You lose all this instruction. You lose this knowledge. You lose this power. You lose this witness. You lose this comfort. And so it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. Do you understand? Can you see the different administration? This is what it's called in 1 Corinthians 12. Administrations and ministrations of the Spirit. There are different operations of the Spirit of God. And though he seals us, bam! We have the presence of God in us as an earnest of our eternal inheritance. If we grieve him, we lose his personal benefit in our lives. Chapter 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. What does the Spirit bear in your life? Goodness and righteousness and truth when he's not grieved. Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How could we have that verse in chapter 5 with all that's been said about the Holy Spirit in chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 2, and chapter 1? How in the world could Paul write in this order? Because there is more. Notice what it says. Be not drunk with wine. What do you, what's happened when you're drunk? You are driving under the eye. You're driving under the influence. Be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Lord, show us. Show every single one in here what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Forgive us for grieving and quenching your Spirit. Forgive us for being Baptists and being afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the charismatic and Pentecostal excesses. Help us, Lord. Look at that verse. Why in the world is that coming to us now? Haven't we already been sealed? Don't we already have the earnest? Don't we, aren't we already a habitation for the Spirit through God? And there it is, Ephesians 5, 18. You say, I'll bet there isn't one in chapter 6. I'll bet you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 18, what should you do once you put the whole armor of God on? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Well, if I'm already sealed, won't every prayer be in the Spirit? No, it won't. Uh, have you ever prayed and wondered about how strong flat paint actually is? Because your prayers couldn't get through it? Semi-gloss, would that help you understand what I meant? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. John 7, 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to die, rise again, show himself alive for 40 days, ascend up into heaven, be divided a portion with the great, be given all the gifts of the Spirit, and for seven days the apostles were on earth without Jesus, and without the Spirit, and then, assembled for prayer, the house was filled with the rushing noise of a mighty wind, and they were full of the Holy Ghost. And Peter could stand up and say, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, his glorification has taken place, 
He's received the promise from the Father of the Holy Spirit, and he is pouring this out upon us. And you're seeing it and hearing the results of it. And here we are 2,000 years later, and Ephesians is written to second-generation Christians, consistent with what the pastoral epistles teach us, that we should be most thankful for the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus with us, Jesus in us, Jesus dwelling with us, Jesus never leaving us, because his spirit is inside us. Inside us individually as believers, received upon faith and baptism, inside us as a church, where he functions in our church, uniting our various gifts and abilities together like a, like a body, is motivated by, I have one spirit directing all my different bodily parts, so a church. Where was it purchased? Therefore, will he divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Amen.